whichever it is. Vicki and Connie, thank you for sharing those things with us this morning and looking forward to um, God continuing to work in us and through us for his glory, for his, for his might, for his name's sake. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to study God's word together and, um, and hopefully be moved by him this morning. Lord Jesus, as we study your word, God, as we hear from, from what we believe to be your words that you breathed out, that you have preserved over time, Lord, help us to recognize them as your words. Words that we can listen to, words that we can uh, put into action, words that we can be changed by, uh, words that are profitable for all of life. And so, God, we pray this morning as, as you speak to us, Lord, that we would be willing to be changed by you, that we would be willing to rise up, uh, turn around, repent, turn aside uh, to the things of this world, and turn toward you as our God as our Savior. God, thank you so much, God, for being merciful to us, for giving us songs, for giving us joy, for giving us things to use for you and your kingdom. God, I pray this uh, during this time that you would be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Start a new series today called Influence. We'll, we'll talk about this for about four weeks together. Um, influencing, um, obviously influencing each other, influencing the world with the, the gospel. Kind of a missions type theme. I want you to be thinking missionally, uh, as Vicki already introduced to you. Uh, maybe you, you are familiar with this, even though you didn't raise your hand uh, earlier. Uh, we are missionaries, and uh, if you're in Sunday school, uh, a part of the discussion groups, then you'll get to discuss uh, what it means to, to live a missional life what it means to be uh, really a missionary, a, a, a person on mission for the gospel or on mission for, for Christ. And so this morning as we begin, I just want you to begin thinking about how has God uh, throughout history, how has he been speaking to the world? Who has he been using? What has he been using? Think about this. He's used people. He's used his creation. He's used angels. He's used animals. He's used plants. Uh, obviously, as we just watched in a video, he used a Christmas gift to speak to the world about his words, about who he is, about what he desires of people of this world, the world that he created. And so as you think about your own life, think about how is God going to continue to speak to people in this world? Who who is it that he's going to use? What is he going to use to influence the world with his words, especially the words of good news, the hope that we have? I'm going to give you a lot of scripture right now, and so what I want you to do is I want, to, I want you to write down the address so that you can look it up later in your study together or by yourself. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. There's more to those verses. You need to read them on your own. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. John 1, 1 through 8. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Here we have God speaking through his son, the word. And the word, uh, he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was that was was not made, and in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And verse six and seven says this in, in John chapter one: There was a man sent from God, whose name was John, and he came as a witness. What did he come 
to do as a witness, he came to bear witness about the light. He came to bear witness about Jesus. First uh, Peter 2, 9-10, through 10, you should have studied it already. We talked about it last week. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, meaning you belong to the Lord, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So if this morning you have an understanding of your own life that God has called you out of darkness, he has placed you into his light, uh, the reason for that is so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who did that. Once you weren't a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so because of the mercy that you've received, you proclaim the excellencies of him who did all those things for you. Second Corinthians 5.20, maybe you already have it memorized. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, representatives of Christ, God making his appeal through us. And so we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We become these ministers of reconciliation. I want to correct you for a moment here, and this is really hard for me to do because it sounds really prideful. But when you pray for, when you pray for the ministers of this church, you often just pray for Zach and Brian and Matt. Those are not the only ministers in this church. According to God's word, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are all ambassadors. Those who have been called out of darkness and brought into his wonderful light, we're all called to proclaim the, the excellencies of God. We're all called to be these representatives or these ministers of reconciliation. So try and correct yourself this week. At least hear it when you're praying that, Lord, we pray for our ministers. We pray for Zach as he ministers to the, to the students. And we pray for Brian as he ministers to us and leads us in music. We pray for Matt as he ministers to us through the word. Think more openly, think more about what the Bible says, that you are all ministers, ministers of, rec of reconciliation. Think about this. I mean, God is using a number of variety of ways to influence people with the gospel. Colossians 1.27, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So he's using you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, uh, to be an influencer of the gospel, an influencer of people with the gospel, a witness to what he's, to what he's called us to be. Uh, you've, you've already, um, are familiar with it, but, um, but let's read it together. Turn to Acts chapter one. Uh, Connie mentioned it already for us. Acts chapter one, we'll read together verse eight. Acts chapter 1. So as a follower of Jesus, our desire is to be obedient to him. And being obedient to him as we worship him with all that we are every moment, even like we talked about last week, using work as worship. When we worship him with all that we are, we become this witness. And so uh, in Sunday school next week, you'll have an opportunity to talk about um, how, we, how we study the Bible and how uh, different verses, uh, how we interpret them different ways. Uh, two, two terms we talk about is prescriptive versus descriptive. Uh, is this verse that we're about to read, is this prescriptive? Is this God saying all my followers will be my witnesses? Or is it just describing some of his followers? Some of my people will be my witnesses. Or is it, like I said, versus is it prescriptive meaning is everyone that follows Jesus going to be a follower or a witness of him? Acts 1.8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then 
you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Does this still hold true today? Will people who are disciples of Christ still be influencers of the gospel, uh, with the gospel to the world? Will we be influencing people in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria? We've broken it down in our own context. Often we say uh, in a local context, in our own Jerusalem, uh, in, a, in, a, in a you know countrywide context, in our Judea, uh, in the world context, Samaria and the ends of the earth. And we're looking at this, we're trying to break it down and, and fit it to our mission objective. Let's break it down even more, and let's just talk today about being a witness. Being a witness. What does a witness do? What is a witness for? What's the purpose of a witness? Think about in a court of law. What does a, a witness in a court of law do? Well, hopefully the witness convinces or influences the jury concerning the issue at hand or influences the judge concerning the issue at hand. So a witness is there to convince or influence the jury, the judge, or the people that something happened or something didn't happen. A witness is someone who has seen and heard and therefore has a reason to share. I mean, can you imagine for a moment being in a court of law And a witness is called up to the stand and places their hand on the Bible. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth concerning what has happened or what has not happened? Yeah, I I do swear, but I will tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. I do, I promise, I swear to this. Okay, you may be seated. The witness sits down and the witness stand and the jury's there, the judge is there, the lawyers are there, uh, just the people sitting in in the room are there and one lawyer begins to ask questions. Tell us everything you know about Professor Plum. I don't know anything about Professor Plum. Okay, well, tell us everything you know about Colonel Mustard. I don't know anything about Colonel Mustard. Okay, well, tell us everything you know about Miss Scarlett. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I swore by it. I'm going to be honest with you. I know nothing about Miss Scarlett. So what do you know concerning Professor Plum, Colonel Mustard, Miss Scarlett? Well, let me just clear the air here. I have never seen them. I've never heard of them. I know nothing about them. So why are you here? Why are you a witness? Maybe in that moment the witness says, actually, I'm only here because I heard every first Sunday there's food. We would probably call that a worthless witness. Not worth anything. Why did we call you up on the stand if you're not going to be a worthy witness? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. A witness is someone who has seen, who has heard, and therefore has reason to share. You've been called out of the darkness and brought into his wonderful light. You were not a people, but now you are a people. You have received the mercy of God. You have seen, you have heard, and so with that, you become this witness to proclaim the excellencies of the Lord. A witness of Jesus is a person who has seen, who has heard, and therefore has a reason to share and influence others with the good news, the gospel. Being missional means to be influencing others with the gospel, the good news of Jesus, a witness. We will be witnesses. We will be influencers of the world 
of our, of our circle, our small circle of influence. Maybe eight to ten to fifteen different people that you can influence with the gospel. Strategically thinking about how can my life be a representative of the good news? How can I be used as an influencer of the world with the gospel of Jesus? I'm a witness. I've seen. I've heard. I understand. I've received the mercy of God. And so with that, I will be an ambassador for Christ. Let's think for a moment about an Old Testament influencer. A man who was called out of darkness into the wonderful light. A man who received the mercy of God and with that responded to God and became obedient to him and to him alone. Turn to Exodus chapter 3. We'll spend a couple of Sundays here talking about Moses. Moses and Jesus were both and are both great influencers. Great leaders. Both of them had a mission to fulfill. Moses is a lot like Jesus. Jesus, uh, in several ways, Moses was both a prophet and a lawgiver, and Jesus is too. Jesus was widely recognized as a prophet who spoke the word of God, and he gave commandments for his followers to obey. He's an influencer. We, we follow the commandments and the, the covenant of Christ. Moses was similar to this in the Old Testament. Moses and Jesus were alike, and they both led God's people out of captivity with great power. Moses led the Israelites out of physical bondage and slavery in Egypt, and Jesus, with even greater power, led God's elect out of spiritual bondage and slavery to sin. Moses stood before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Jesus came to proclaim freedom for the sinners and to set the oppressed free. In Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Also, another way that Moses and Jesus are alike is that they both had intimate conversations with the Lord. They knew God. Moses was face to face with the Lord. His glory uh, spilled over onto him. Jesus being one with the Father. Recognizing, people recognized this as they saw Jesus, that he's one with the Father. Also, Moses was an intercessor for God's people. Like Jesus intercesses for us today. Moses was willing to die for them even. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses offers his life in exchange for the sin and the sinners of Israel. Jesus, obviously, we have read backwards here, we know about the good news of Jesus. He laid down his life so that the sinners could be rescued for forever. So we catch up with Moses in his normal everyday work in Exodus chapter 3. We see him, uh, you know, keeping flock, being this great little shepherd that he is, this small, uh, you know, small task that he's been given. And he's doing it, he's doing it well. He's not waiting around for the Lord to come and use him mightily. He's not waiting for a call or a text message or an email. He's just doing his job normally. Actually, go back up to Exodus chapter 2, verse 23 says this, During those many days the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, and cried out for help. Cried out for help. So we're getting down to why there's an exodus needed, why there's a migration, or why there's a, a need for the people to be rescued. During those days, many of the kings, uh, many of the, many days of the, hmm, sorry, during the, those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, and cried out for help. It's a cool little Hebrew word, uh, the word groaned. Uh, It actually sounds like enough. If you were to speak Hebrew, you would sound like you're saying enough. 
Uh, you would also sound like you're moaning like a cow or groaning like a cow. And so the Lord hears their groaning, their cries for help. He hears their distress, their cry for rescue from slavery, and it came up to God. Verse 24, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, and God saw the people of Israel, and God knew, or he took notice of what was going what was going on. He heard their groaning. He heard their cries of distress. You know, question for you is why was an exodus needed? Why was the Israelites needed to be rescued or moved from the land that they were in to a, a new land? Why, why is it? Because of their groaning, because of their slavery, because of, because of the, the agony that they're in, because of how distressed they were, because of their forced service, their agonized labor, labor. They cried in distress. They groaned. They sighed. They had enough. Lord, please come and rescue us. And so now Moses was keeping the flock, verse 1 of chapter 3 of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. You familiar with this story? You've probably heard it before. Verse 3 says this, And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. It's almost a moment of repentance in a way. He's turning aside. He's turning towards something else. He says something magnificent, and he wants to witness it. He wants to go see what is happening. He's turning aside to something else. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Notice that the calling came after Moses turned aside. I don't know if there's anything to that, but it is interesting that after repentance, the Lord then called Moses. After turning aside to something else to see what was going on, the Lord began to call him. And he said to him, or he cried out out of the bush, Moses, Moses. He answers with this. He said to him, here I am. An interesting statement. Isaiah says the same thing. He says, here I am. Who will go and represent us? Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. And so Moses answers. He says to him, here I am. Interesting also that he says, here I am to the I am. How often we must deny self, thinking that representing Christ is all about us. It is not. It is about the great I am. It is only about Jesus. And so as we talk about influencing others with the gospel, do not get misled. Do not be, uh, be prideful in how great you become at an influencer of the world. Instead, remember who the I am is. Don't, uh, don't forget that it is not about you. Verse 5 says, Then he said, Do not come near me. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said this. He said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in, in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmaster. I know their sufferings. So, so why is there a need for rescuing? Why is God about to send a representative, a witness, a leader, an influencer to go and face Pharaoh, to go and speak to the Israelites? Why is he about to send Moses to do this? Because he hears the cry of the people. 
He sees their suffering. He knows their affliction. He sees the oppression. He sees how desolate the place is that they're in. He sees that they don't have hope. He sees their forced labor. He sees their agony. He sees their agonized labor. And he wants to go and rescue them. He remembers the covenant that he's made with them. He wants to go and deliver them. And so he sends Moses as the influencer. He sends Moses to go and represent the true deliverer. He sends Moses to go and represent the rescuer. He sends Moses as an influencer, as an ambassador, as a witness to go and change the course of history. And I've come. I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. This is interesting. We look at it from the New Testament, New Covenant perspective. We look at it from Acts 1.8. You as representatives. You as witnesses. You as influencers. You as those who have been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. You as people who have received the mercy of God. I mean, Christ in His own words. He knows your agony. He knows the the toil and the labor that you're in. Come to me, all who are who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He comes to save us, Romans 5, just at the right time when we are weak with sin. He comes to rescue us. He comes to lay his own life down for us. He sees that an exodus is needed, a rescuing is needed, and so he sends, he sends his representative to go and represent the rescuer. Why today? I mean, is it an exodus, a migration, a, an influencing needing today, a moving from one place to another needed today? I mean, do you know people who are, afflict, who are afflicted, who are in distress, who are in slavery, who are in bondage? Do you know people who agonize daily, who are forced into service? Do you know people who are living in a desolate place, maybe physically or spiritually? Do you know people who have lost hope? Do you know of other believers who have lost hope? Do you know of people who have no peace? Do you know of people who have no joy? Maybe we as the people belonging to God, the God of hope, the God of peace, the God of joy, the God of patience, the God of compassion, the God of mercy, maybe we would be his witnesses, his representatives. We would be the influencers of the world to go and influence the people with the good news of Jesus. Next week we'll begin talking about Moses and his excuses. I don't want to step too much on your on your toes this morning if I am at all. So I'm not going to talk about excuses yet. We'll work work that in next week. But for now, let's think about this. God, seeing the need for rescuing, sends Moses as a representative of the the deliverer. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all the world. Matthew 24, well, uh, when, when the entire world is heard, then the end will come. The good news must be proclaimed. The good news to your family, the good news to your friends, the good news to your neighbors, to your co-workers, to your enemies, the good news of Jesus must be proclaimed. 
There's a need for us to go and represent the gospel in every portion of life, to be influencers of what God has done, what he is doing and what he's going to do. Let's talk about something fun. See on the screen there those pictures of geese, of uh, uh, we'll call them Canadian geese there, uh, making their way either north or south. They're migrating. You're familiar with migration, right? There's a slide that says migration. Stephen, if you would put that up, you can see that. Migration is a seasonal moving of animals, a movement from one place to to another. You're seeing that probably now, although we're not in a, a, a flyway necessarily, but if you were to go uh, a little bit further east, you'd probably see, maybe you go to Lubbock at some point, you'd probably see a bunch of cranes or geese making their way south uh, for the winter. Kind of gives us an idea, a little barometer of, of the change of seasons, right? Uh, when we see the geese begin to fly south, we know that winter is approaching. When we see the geese begin to fly north, we know that, that winter is almost over and spring is on its, is on its way. So what is it that influences migration? What is it that, that causes these geese or other uh, migratory animals, what is it that causes them to migrate? I think there's another slide that says something about why is migration needed. Well, uh, we say this for our own life. I've mentioned it to you already. Affliction, distress, slavery, bondage, agony, forced uh, service, desolate place, lost hope, no peace, no joy. Uh, this is the things that they're facing, right? I mean, they're up in Canada. They're... They're distressed in Canada. There's no joy there. There's no peace in Canada. There's a lost hope there. It's a desolate place. Uh, Migration happens for a a variety of reasons. Change in temperature. Change in season. Desolate place. There's no food. There's no resources. Uh, There's a a need for uh, something uh, more. And so they begin to to, to move, uh, to migrate to a different place. Think about this for a moment. There's even a stirring inside of them, this kind of anxious behavior inside of them that begins to wear on them. Hey, something's not right. Uh, let's fly south for the winter. Or, you know, it's time. It's time again, this genetic disposition. Let's time again. Let's fly north uh, for the spring, looking for two different things, basically. They're looking for food, and they're looking for nesting place or resting place. Let me just read this to you. Maybe this will help you this week. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Yet these these guys, these ducks, these geese, completely, their whole life is wrapped around these physical, these physical needs. And then Jesus says this, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? I mean, look at the birds. Christ is saying, look at the birds. They see that migration is needed. They see a moving from one place to another is needed. They see the desolate place that they're in and know that they must migrate to another place. And I think that maybe you would look around and see friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, acquaintances, coffee shop baristas, whoever it may be, who are in a place far from God, in need of someone to influence them, to lead some sort of migration, some sort of exodus from the place that they're in to the place that they should or need to be. And the only way to get there is through Christ. Jesus makes that pretty clear when he says in John 14, 6, that he is the only way to the Father. And so we as 
folks who have Christ in us, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. We become these ministers of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We become these ambassadors for Christ, verse 20. These influencers of people with the gospel, the good news. These witnesses, not worthless witnesses who have not seen or heard, but instead witnesses who have seen and who have heard who become uh, people influencing with the gospel, proclaiming the excellencies of the Lord because we have received mercy from the Lord, leading them. Hey, you have no hope? Can I tell you about the one who gives hope? Hey, you, you feel like you're in slavery? Let me tell you about the one who can rescue you from that. You feel like you're afflicted, distressed? You feel like you live in a, a desolate place? You feel like this is forced labor? I mean, how many of you tomorrow, if you go, if you go into work tomorrow, you know someone, a coworker of some sort, that will complain about their job? And how terrible it is. And the forced labor. And as soon as you hear that, you can say, you know what? Can I just remind you of something? Or tell, or tell you for the first time. Can I tell you about Christ? Like this forced labor your boss is putting upon you. And this heavy laden that's going on you. This weight of work that's going on. Can I tell you about what Christ desires? How he wants to rescue you. How he wants to provide for your entire life upon this earth and the life everlasting. I mean, Matthew 6.33, right? Seek first the kingdom of God. Right? But f- seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We don't have to be anxious about the things of this world because we have a rescuer. And as influencers, influencing the world with the gospel, we share the hope of Christ. We point people in the direction of peace. We tell them where everlasting joy can actually come from. Moses leads the people. He goes to the people willing after a time, willing to go and represent the, the deliverer, willing to go represent the rescuer, willing to go and influence Pharaoh, influence the people with the good news of deliverance. We too, as people belonging to God, should say, uh, for simple things, when people long for food, when people long for rest, we say, those things come from God and God alone. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious about itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Put your eyes upon Christ, the meter of all needs. We need to be influencers, leading, leading people in migration, leading them from one place, the place that they are, a desolate, no-hope place, a place uh, far from God, moving them through the gospel, sharing with them who Christ is, rescuing them as influencers, rescuing them from the place that they're in, pointing them in the direction of Christ. People are in need of moving. They're in need of hearing the gospel. They're in need of an exodus. They're in need of migration. They're in need of influencing. And you and I will be witnesses of Christ to the entire world. Here's what I know that's happening to you, though. I know this is happening to you this morning. You are looking for a burning bush. You're waiting for it. As soon as the burning bush happens, as soon as the burning bush happens, I mean, preacher, come on, you're doing a good job and all, but I'm waiting for the burning bush. And as soon as the burning bush happens, and I hear from the Lord, then I will be his witness. Can I just tell you this morning, your burning bush is a cross and an empty grave. Your burning bush is the Son of God who came to save. That is your burning bush. You will be why you will be my witnesses to all the world. Whoever the world is, your family first, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, whoever it is, your classmates, whoever it is, 
Your burning bush is the cross and the empty grave. Jesus. Your burning bush is the Son of God who came to save. That is your burning bush. And with that you say, I will be a witness. I will be an influencer because Christ is who he says he is. He came to rescue. He wants me to be his witness. And so I will be his witness. Because I like practicality, because I don't want to play with your emotions, I want to move to something more practical for you. Your burning bush is the cross, is the empty grave. Your burning bush is Jesus who came to save, who is still saving, who will continue to save. All right? So I'm going to get our ushers to pass out a little paper for you. You're going to need a pen or your neighbor's pen. Maybe they'll share with you. Stephen's going to put up this slide that's got blanks on it. It says the gospel is, that's it right there. Okay. This is some practical moment here for you, okay? Wow, Silas has got a lot of pens. If you need a pen, I bet he can, he'll let you borrow one. <clears throat> this is a easy, I want you to be able to understand the gospel as simple as possible. I did not make this up. This comes from another brother. Uh, this is just a simple explanation for you that I hope that will get you started in thinking about sharing the gospel and thinking about uh, having conversations about the gospel, conversations about the Messiah, conversations about sin possibly might come up out of this also. Are people in need of rescuing? Were you in need of rescuing? If so, if people are still in need of rescuing from their sin, from death, then let's go and share the gospel with them. The gospel is the news that, you'll probably be able to fill in these blanks together, but the gospel is the news that Jesus Christ, the righteous one, died for our sins and rose again eternally triumphant over all his enemies so that there's now no condemnation for those who believe but only everlasting joy. All right? So we can put those, uh, fill in the blanks for you. You can go to that next slide, Stephen. Thank you. Says this: the gospel is that Jesus. The good. The gospel is the news that Jesus Christ, the righteous one, died for our sins and rose again, eternally triumphant over all his enemies, so that there is now no condemnation for those who believe, but only everlasting, everlasting joy. I'll read it one more time. The gospel is the news that Jesus Christ, the righteous one, died for our sins and rose again, eternally triumphant over all his enemies, so that there is now no condemnation for those who believe, but only everlasting joy. This could be a great conversation starter for you. At the bottom of that page, there are uh, six questions that I think if you could answer them, you could have a conversation with anyone about Jesus. Conversation starters about the Messiah. Who is the Messiah? Jesus. Conversations about sin. So what has Jesus done? If you can answer those from the Bible, you probably have a good understanding of who Jesus is. What is Jesus doing? What is he currently doing? At, at the moment right now, if you believe that he rose from the dead, what is Jesus doing right now? And what will Jesus do? Those are three important questions that you need to be able to answer with Scripture. And then three other questions that are just important so that you can see that there is a need for rescuing is what has sin and sinners done? What is sin and sinners doing? And what will sin 
slash sinners do in the end? These are just six questions that could help you start conversation to be influencers. Next week we'll get into Moses actually going to the people. Moses actually going to Pharaoh saying, I want to influence you. I want to influence you with these words from the great I am. I want to influence you with these words from God about your need of rescuing, about the desolate place that you're in. I mean, if you know anything about the Israelites, you know that, uh, you know, days, if not months, Years later, they begin to say, let's go back to where we were. And so we know people uh, tend to go back to, for whatever reason, begin liking the desolate place. They begin liking slavery. Let us go back to slavery. So we need to be understanding, a clear understanding of why we are in need of rescue, who is it that's rescuing, and how we should always be rescued. On the back of this, and this is where our invitation begins on the back of this paper that you have who can i influence who is it that you have influence over eight to fifteen people that the lord willing you might influence with the gospel gave you five different little categories there you could write in several names i'm sure on each of them if you don't have friends or neighbors if you don't have co-workers or classmates Maybe there's others you could say. If you can only come up with one name, pray diligently to the Lord. Lord, let me influence that one person with the gospel. And then also pray, Lord, help me open my eyes to the needs around me. Because I would say if there's only one person around you that's not saved or not in right relationship with the Lord, you're probably in heaven or getting close to it. There are lots and lots of lost people. Lots and lots of people who are in need of migration from one place to another. They are far from God and their need of rescue. Christ is the only one who can do that. And so we point people as influencers of the gospel, as influencers uh, with the gospel. We point people to Christ. So three little parts of the invitation this morning. Number one, if you are recognizing this morning that you are in desperate need of rescuing, Christ has never been Lord of your life, that you're still living in that desolate place with no peace, no hope, no joy, that you're still living full of sin, under the slavery of sin, and you're in need of rescue, uh, take care of that this morning. Confess Christ as Lord. Believe in who He is and what He's done, that He has come to save and to rescue you. If you're in need of help with that, Zach or myself could help you with that, to lead you in, in the direction of, of uh, how to, uh, you know, to, to follow Christ and what he's commanded for your life or he desires for your life. Families or friends this morning, I want to challenge you, pray together. Commit to use you and your family as influencers of this world, of the world that we live in, Lovington or wherever it is, uh, that we would be a family together influencing others with the gospel. And then if you don't want to do either of those things or or have already taken care of those things, pray. I know we're singing a song. You don't have to sing, but pray, Lord, who is it I can influence? Pray, ask God, God, who is it? Who are the names I can write down that I can begin praying for diligently that you, Lord, willing, might use me to influence others with the gospel? Spend time writing those names down during our invitation time.